Joining us on the program today, we have uh, State Representative uh, Dick Lowe. Dick, thanks for coming in today. Thank you, George. Thank you for having us again. And we have State Senator Lonnie Paxton. Lonnie? Always a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, so the legislative session for 2022, apparently in the books, uh, the first adjournment was yesterday. Uh, So uh, a lot to talk about with uh, what happened uh, over the last several months and uh, maybe some work that didn't get done that'll have to wait till uh, next session. So, uh, Lonnie, give us an overall view of uh, uh, how you think the session went. Well, I, I'm going to say I think it went pretty well. It's uh, when I first um, arrived at the Capitol in 2017 of the, that first session, you know, we had basically were shaking, you know, Capitol couch cushions trying to find change to pay the bills. And this year, thanks to the recovery of the Oklahoma economy after the or during and after the pandemic um, and what the citizens have done in order to make this state move forward, the, the state of Oklahoma has a lot of money we put in the bank. So I think we're going to end up this year with more than $3 billion in our savings and and even beyond that, there's a, there's other monies that are going to economic incentives that's not part of that $3 billion. So there's a we have a, a, a lot different situation now than what it was a few years ago. And, the, yeah, you mentioned before the show that, uh, yeah, you there, there were just a few pennies maybe in that right. rainy day account. And it's good to have that, uh, that comfort knowing that uh, if we have some future economic issues that you'll be able to fall back on that. Uh, that's true. And, and I mean, if you if you look at if you just kind of watch the news and see what people are predicting as far as what's going to happen to the economy in the next two or three years, there's so many unknowns with inflation and people are talking about recessions. So I think we now are in the position as, as Oklahomans that we have enough money in the bank that we don't have to go through what we did, you know, three or four years ago where we're cutting budgets and, and going through all the strains. We can kind of keep everything level. We kind of kept our budget kind of where it needed to be. Um, we did not s- spend a lot of reoccurring. Um, expenses are, are authorized a bunch of recurring expenses that would eat into future savings and so I think we're being very responsible we have money in the bank and I think we can withstand you know a, a uh, probably a pretty significant downturn in the economy and keep our state government in a in a very stable position well we certainly hope that doesn't happen that and correct. Uh, you know we've been pretty fortunate even with the uh, issues with the gas prices increasing and you mentioned uh, inflation and all the supply chain issues we've had uh, dick and uh, you know Baby formula, for crying out loud, you can't get. So it's just awful strange that uh, some of those areas, some of those things are happening. Yeah, it is. And as we look at the budget for this year, it's just really uh, exciting to me that we are able to do some things that we haven't been able to do in the past. But uh, as people need to understand, we put budget items and put things that are reoccurring year after year. Uh, we have to know that in Oklahoma, we have have a tendency to have an up and down economy a little bit. And so I think what we've done has been very frugal in our, our spending making sure that our spending is, is things that we can continue to do. And as the senator said, having uh, 33% of your budget back in a savings. Hey, we at homes, we know how that is. We, we have uh, unexpected. We Just looking at this, uh, this um, inflation rate right now scares you to death that what can happen in here and uh, it's so i'm very thankful that the senator in the group before me i came in the last two years has been great hey it's always nice to have money but uh, we do know that's not going to last forever in the state of oklahoma so uh, i think we've worked hard as a as a total legislature group to work this in 9.8 or so billion dollars for the budget i remember when it was just three billion dollars a number of years ago so a lot's happened uh, since then and uh, some raises uh, approved as long as the governor signs off on the budget. So uh, just talk about that, that 
big number and how you guys kind of try to comprehend that at the at the state capitol well i'm just a small town country boy just like i knocked the doors yeah. and told people 9.8 billion is a big number to me i'm just going to tell you that's a big number but with that we're doing the core services of oklahoma we've got some really exciting things coming at us uh Rural Oklahoma, Grady County especially, we can start talking about roads and bridges. We're going to have some money that's getting ready to get spent. We're excited about that. And not only that, Lonnie, but um, the Internet, you know, broadband services. There's a lot going on at the federal level, too, to uh, help improve broadband services. And that's big for all all the state. Yeah, the, the issue, the pandemic really highlighted the issue with the need for broadband in rural Oklahoma. So you see a lot of expansion going on. Um, I'm just actually the the leader of the Senate in the broadband area, Senator Lee Wright out of Creek County. He is leaving the Senate this year. So that kind of left a void in that area. And I have been been asked to consider taking that on. And so I it is something I've not looked at. We had good leadership there and I was working on other issues. Um, so that'll probably be part of my summer project is to start learning a little bit more about how the rural broadband works and what the plans are. We just passed with this budget some money for mapping. Um, and so you'll see in the mapping situation is basically just a, a, a comprehensive look at where our gaps are in the state, where there's people in Oklahoma that don't have access to that. Because without that, that high-speed internet access, it's going to be very hard to develop cer- certain areas on an economic basis. And that's what we're trying to do is, you know, after the, re- the redistricting, we noticed a lot of people are moving out of rural Oklahoma into the central parts of the state, into the Tulsa area. Only way to reverse that and keep rural Oklahoma viable is to make sure that we have, you know, you know, modern technology, and that's going to be in, in with with high speed internet access. Maybe an interim study, perhaps on that, or maybe or well, it'd be an interim study for me because yeah. I am completely ignorant about yeah. how it all works, <laughs> and I and I need to learn. If, yes. if if I'm going to take this task on, I've got a lot to catch up with, but I've got great leaders up there that's already been through this, and that can help me with it. So I don't, I don't, I know they've already done some interim studies on this. I think we kind of know what we need to do. The mapping is a big deal to find out you know, where those gaps are in our system. And so it's it's going to be a big project. Right. There has been a, 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 a state group kind of formed to oversee all the broadband funding uh, to make sure that it, it's all, all going to the right, uh, right places. You know, one of the exciting things that uh, the senator just talked about is the rule. And I'm very excited in the budget this year. There's $250 million that is going to be spent in rural areas for economic development. The rural, the rural legislators really stood up and say, hey, we want growth in the state, but we've got to have growth in our rural area or we continue to lose our people going into Oklahoma City, Tulsa areas and more metropolitan, metropolitan areas. So uh, with that, we really did stand up. I'm looking forward to that, uh, be able to get some things, help and grow. We need good jobs in, in our areas, not just in the, in the metropolitan areas. And if I could tag on that just a little bit, that $250 million, I think a lot of it's going to go to a lot of rural health care issues. So I think you'll see some grants going out to a lot of the rural hospitals. It's going back to economic development. This issue is Chickasha, for example. I spent 10 years on the Chickasha Hospital Board, and you in know, talking to different leaders of this, of this community, you lose that hospital, you lose a big um, part of your tools as far as recruiting businesses to come into this area. So, you know, we were part of getting the, you know, the hospital, the sales tax passed in order to build the new, the operating room and the imaging center and, you know, to get that done. So now this project's coming out to help rural Oklahoma all across the state and some, you know, to help put some much needed funds into rural health care because it does, everything ties back to the economic development of the area. Uh, tough to recruit uh, nurses and doctors um, because they want to go, they can kind of name their name their price basically and they can go other places and get a lot more money. So maybe they could be used. And I know the hospitals use uh, some ARPA money for, right. uh, 
and it is. It's what you said. It's you know the it is such a shortage of, of qualified medical personnel. Um, I mean, it goes all the way down to you know my community where you know we're trying to recruit people to be paramedics. You know, it's hard to find people that you know and and, and to bring them into the more rural areas. And so, same thing with these hospitals, and it's very difficult. So we need to have nice facilities, but we need to make sure that the that the revenue is there. And I know uh, Keen Spellman and the hospital board, and the hospital staff, and Grady have done a tremendous job to keep everything going during a very very difficult time. Uh, Dick, you mentioned uh, earlier about uh, a lot of transportation projects, uh, maybe for the region. Yes, you know, we've got some county roads and bridges funds that came in. It's going to be the largest we've ever seen. We're going to see some ARPA money come, too, also for the county roads and bridges. We've got to rebuild our infrastructure in a rural Oklahoma, and, and, and it's exciting. When you're in your rural legislature, sometimes you sit there and think, are we ever going to do anything for our people? And for once, we think we're getting things done, moving us forward. Uh, we've dealt with some of the bad things in the last couple of years, uh, you know, kind of maybe veering over a little bit. We've Medical marijuana has been a monster at us, and uh, it, it's. As I'm sitting here thinking as we're taping this that, uh, hey, you know, uh, we talked about some of these issues six to eight, ten months ago, mm-hmm. and we handled them this time. And I'm very proud. Uh, I carried a bill for the senator on on marijuana that I was excited to get through, and uh, you know, it just we. I, I don't even know exactly our number. It's probably ten or twelve marijuana bills that really will make a difference on what we're doing. So we're excited about seeing that being taken care of and working towards. Lonnie might uh, address some of those. Well, just start with the, the transportation side. If if you do not like road construction, Grady County is going to be a tough place to live for a while because we're going to fix a lot of roads. Give a lot of credit to our predecessors that were here before us that helped start the eight-year plan and fund the eight-year plan. You know, that focused a lot on the big deal of bridges. And, and we went from one of the worst structurally deficient bridge states in the country to one of the best. And so now you'll see a lot of focus going on resurfacing. A lot of rough roads out there. And so you're going to start seeing the resurfacing projects throughout the state. And a lot of those are going to be in Grady County on all ends of the county. So so transportation is a big deal, and it's going to you'll see a lot of activity here in this county. Right, and not just Grady County, but the region too. And we right. might uh, just talk about the, the Ninnecaw project that was just right. uh, finished up. And that was it's, it's an interesting story because uh, it was first proposed uh, back in like 2007. And it was put on a, a, with this five-year plan or something, and then it just kept getting pushed back and delayed. And, and then finally, they started construction about a year and a half ago, and here it is. It's done, and it was a great yeah. little. I call it the one of the biggest little town projects I think in the state because I think right. uh, what's that's what some yeah. folks were telling us about. Yeah, George, you're right. You know, uh, neither one of us really represent in the call, right? But I was raised there. Yeah, and actually, I was raised on that road to get fixed, <laughs> and to see it today, and and go down and visit my mom down there, and seeing a road and the bridge and and the straightening up the things it did. It, it's amazing. And uh, yes, the people say, boy, things move slow in government. They do. They do. They move exceedingly slow, slow, but we try to get it right. And sometimes you, th- those quick moves are not right. But uh, I think you're going to see some quick things start happening in Grady County, and uh, I'm excited to see that in there. Uh, maybe I know your partner, uh, Brad Bowles and Marlowe, uh, was kind of instrumental in uh, getting that together. And I think uh, there's been some – uh, the governor signed a measure that will put $5 million more million a year in the uh, Road and Bridge Improvement Fund. And – 
well, that, pre-stamped that, over there. Yeah, that, and that actually is not going to be in the rule. That's going to be in the cities. Okay. That's going to be the cities that they can apply for for, for money if they were effect, affected by the stack or the scoop group area okay. that uh, be able to go in. And, you know, I know cities are really hurting for the funds, and we're excited to get – wish it was more than $5 million, but we got $5 million, that's a start. And uh, so the cities and towns in these areas – you know, have a chance to get some of that funds to help with the roads. And you've yeah. had an issue with that up in the Tuttle area. Well, sure. Right? It's, yeah. it, it, this whole area, through it's a lot of it's in Grady and Canadian counties, which I represent a big chunk of both of those counties. Um, and Brad Bowles kind of took this on. And it, the issue is the gross production taxes that are generated in the counties, they they go to the counties for county roads and bridges, but it does not go to the city. So so, so the cities that also have the roads that are, that are being affected by the, the heavy trucks of oil and gas, now some of this money is going in there, and this was a deal that was worked on. It was it was supported by the county commissioners. It was supported by oil and gas, and of course the municipal league sure certainly supported it. So it was a deal where uh, uh, Representative Bowles and did a great job of kind of bringing everybody together and, and came up with a with a with a plan that does does help out. It doesn't fix everything, but like everything else, it points us in the right direction. Can you get more specific about some of the medical marijuana uh, sure. legislation you got through? So just. Um, just was a bill that Representative Lowe was talking about. It was a bill him and I authored together, and we dealt with the issue of diversion, which some people actually call it drug dealing, mm-hmm. which is uh, having to do with both individuals and businesses that are selling mar- marijuana that started off legal in the stores, but selling it to people who, who don't have a license or shouldn't be getting it, say, such as a 16-year-old. And so um, we inadvertently, through uh, medical marijuana laws and through criminal justice reform laws, made it to where you could go buy marijuana legally in a store and then go sell it to kids on a playground, and the only real penalty you had was a $200 administrative fine. You could not be put in jail for, for doing that. And so um, it took a couple of years to get the right kind of legislation through to get that fixed, but we did that this year. So now we simply added some words to statute that says, in addition to other penalties prescribed by law. So that means now if you're a drug dealer, you're a drug dealer and you'll be treated like a drug dealer. So so we, we you know sometimes things get passed and it has some side effects that we weren't planning on. So we got that corrected. We did things as simple as making medical marijuana facilities post who they are and how to get a hold of them. So you, a lot of these outdoor grows, they're just kind of these fortresses that are out in the country. Nobody knows how to get a hold of them, whether it be a local farmer that's having problems with dogs messing with his cattle or a local fire department's trying to fight a grass fire. It's very difficult to, to find out who owns these facilities. So we now we're requiring posting all those facilities so you'll know who's who's there. And so just all sorts of things that's in, in the, the bill that Dick and I passed was, was also required what we call it's called a badging system for medical marijuana employees which means it's a permit system same way when a clerk's selling alcohol in a grocery store they have to be permitted through the able commission you're going to be permitted through the medical marijuana authority so if these people are the ones that are causing problems and selling marijuana to people they shouldn't be selling it to oma can yank their badge and not let them be back in the business so a lot of good things happen i think you may want to elaborate a little bit more representative on some of the stuff we did but there were several big issues that we that we accomplished. you know we we also put in there um if we're having problems with farmers and ranchers spraying, and we can't change the spray and drift laws. Those are federal laws, and I, I actually had a call on that just yesterday about that. But we did put up where if you're a medical marijuana grow, you'll have to uh, enter and register with the sensitive crop registry, and that way we would know where they're at. And then we know, you know, what we're dealing with. And uh, we've got so many to deal with water, with um, electricity, how you have to let you, let these uh, in, industries know that hey, we're going in and we're going to pre, pre-licensing. I'm really excited about the pre-licensing aspect that, that you can't go out there and put up, whether no matter what it is, whether it's a, a, a dispensary, grow, or whatever, we're going to have a pre-license to you build it and then get a license. We want to make sure that the thing is, is what we need it to be and it's safe for our, our public to have. So, so we're excited. I 
right. Well, we could probably sit here for quite a while talking mm-hmm. about a lot of marijuana, but I, I want the people to know that we have worked hard this year in trying to, you know, the trouble is we, we had a law that was passed by the state people of the state and you can't go in there and just throw it away. You've got to work within those parameters. You do. We've, we've worked hard this year, making sure that we put things forward. So we're excited about that. Uh, we promised the people that's what we were going to do. And I, I think we held good on a promise and try to put a dent on the illegal grows for sure. That, and, uh, we absolutely. saw, we saw quite of that just in this area this last year. And so. something else that we did is we also uh, threw some money through OMA in the form of grants to go to our county sheriffs because the county sheriffs are having more duties put on them because of this medical marijuana and these outdoor grow issues. So there's, I think we put $5 million in an account for grants that um, that, that the counties can uh, can apply for to help, help you know, maybe hire employees to do things that, that helps. Because we are, when the Bureau of Narcotics comes out to do these raids, we are calling on local law enforcement to come out and, and assist them with that. So we're trying to, trying to help them out a little bit as well. Dick, you had a, a bill, and we've talked about this uh, on with you on the show before, but uh, uh, concerning uh, ad valorem taxes for for uh, wind, wind and some oil and gas. And yeah, it, it was a tough been, one. It's been a monster this year, yeah. as, as I told you when we when I came in today. I've never been so tired in my life because we worked hard, and uh, with that, and, and it's a mental strain on you to keep. To, going forward all the day every day but we did uh, get uh, passed through the house and the senate uh, to dealing with avalorm tax protest and with oil gas and wind or anything over three million dollars it's real estate over three million dollars so uh, you know it's easy to talk about one aspect but with that you know what we did it our whole objective from day one was to be fair and be be fair and work towards helping our schools and kids it wasn't about anything else we want these protests not to happen we we want our schools getting their money. We want the counties getting their money, but we have to be fair to the industry at the same time. And uh, this bill is a step in the right way. We we ran two bills in tandem. One does that. The other moves that a tax court of a tax review to the Oklahoma Tax Commission. Uh, between those two bills, I think we're we're going to move forward in a big way. Now I won't tell you it didn't go unopposed. It did, and uh, and we fought hard to continue to get that thing forward. But uh, I'm real proud of the work that was done. Not that I did anything special, but that I did something to help our schools. And that's what I was all about. And when it comes right down to it, uh, I'm, I'm an education guy, an ag guy. Guess what I want? I want good education, and I want our rural areas to be good. I'm going to disagree with one thing he just said. He said, uh, I didn't do anything special. That is not true. <laughs> he did. He's a freshman legislator, and he took on an issue that, that had a lot of headwinds. And he worked hard through last summer, the interim studies, and then actually the actual legislation itself. It was there were there were a lot of there were a lot of um, I'd say critics and people pushing back on it and and but something had to be done because it was going to get a lot worse if we didn't do something and so yes he did do something special in his position he's in as a freshman legislator in a House of Representatives with 101 members yes he did he made he made a difference in that and I think that when I was advocating for the bill on the Senate floor when it got over to us I think I stood up and said from the best I can tell nobody's real happy with this that probably means it's a pretty good bill and so. <laughs> I think he did a great job. So I'm going to disagree with it. You, you did not do something special because you did. It's a, that was a big deal to get a There were some school districts uh, that were waiting for years uh, for, for ad valorem taxes because of the protests. Yeah, and, and this was what was unique is there was a coalition. I had nothing to do with putting this coalition. There was a coalition of industry, of schools, of ag policies, groups, and so on, all got together on their own to say, we've got to get this through. Uh, even the state chamber and so on, it, it, it was kind of – it was daunting to see that all those 
entities come together. They don't come together at the state. I'm going to tell you, they usually work against each other. For once, seeing all this group together and say, you're moving the right way, uh, you think, thank God we're, we're, he's blessed me to be able to do the right thing up here. Yeah, as a freshman, I would agree. It was a monster to take on as a freshman. Most people would wait till they're four to six years in to jump on this. But, you know, our schools can't wait. And that's what your point is exactly. We can't wait five or six, seven years down the road and hope this takes care of itself. So, again, uh, just go through the process of uh, $3 million or more yeah, in property it, value? It, the, top, the top on it is three. You know, if it's $3 million or more, then it would be considered re- uh, uh, real estate of that level. Then what it says is basically uh, we want the assessors. They can use a third party to help assess, appraise it. We want the assessors in the county representing the county. That's what we elected them for. We want uh, to work forward on this. Also, we had some pieces in there. If there is a protest, the schools would get notified in a timely manner. Some schools don't even get notified they got a protest. And all of a sudden, they get trying to do budgets, and they go, oh, by the way, we're not, you're not getting this money. And that really makes it harder on schools. So it, it's, been a, it's been a daunting task. Uh, I'm going to tell you, when we had the final vote in the Senate, it was kind of – I took my first deep breath in about eight months and, and so I, I did appreciate that but uh, but I do appreciate the support we had over from the Senate uh, uh, in, in Senator Paxton actually got up on the floor and said nice words about me scared me to death when he did that <laughs> but uh, I appreciate that and and that I felt like I was doing the right thing for for our schools I want to talk about uh, uh, you wanted to mention the healthy soils program or yeah I, I did pa- I got a bill passed uh, for the Oklahoma conservation commission been working on this for six eight years this group has they came to me one of it run it is for healthy soils trying to help develop the nutrients in our soil maybe retain moisture now until this last week we really need to retain moisture badly so we're we're excited about that and 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 that's something that's been worked on a long time like i've been working on about four or five six months but uh, to see that come about uh one bill i want to talk about and, and and i think it's important to our listeners out there as we pass this year and that is the the gender bathroom bill we did pass that we've we've seen that issue out there we don't need that issue i'm I'm telling you real oklahoma i represent doesn't want they want young ladies and young ladies restrooms young men and young men's restrooms and we don't need that issue and i'm really proud of that piece of i had nothing to do with this if i got to vote yes on it but i'm I'm glad we did and i think our people expected that from a senator don't you no, I'd agree. It was, it was, it was debated. It was, it was. Um, I think that bill was worked through and found the find the right mix of everything. But yes, it was. It was one of the. There are several issues you get a lot of phone calls on, and that was definitely one of them. A lot of a lot of parents were concerned with the with the issues that was starting to, to rise up on this. So I think the bill was written the right way, and it was it was passed in the right way. Another big issue that didn't really have any legislative uh, discussion, but uh, the investigation into the tourism department of the the Swadleys. Uh, barbecue uh, restaurant at the a lot of the state uh, state parks. Right. So the the issue um, you know rose up this year, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about how, why we know about this issue. And so yeah, we might not have been known about it at all, right? Right. And so I think issues like this with I think, so I don't know the details of what the outcome of this is going to be yet. I don't have any more knowledge than anybody else has. But just from an outsider looking at, you know, kind of the investigation unfolding, it looks like a lot of good old boy type stuff was going on there. And, well, that's been going on in Oklahoma and probably every other state 
since we started governments in the state. So, um, but what the legislature did a couple of years ago is we, we uh, formed a, basically a new agency within the, within the state capital called LOFT. And LOFT stands for the Legislative Office of Fiscal Transparency. And what this is, is it's, it's, it's led by a former member of the Oklahoma House of Representatives, but it has a bunch of financial people that work for them, a bunch of accountants that dig into every single state budget. I found during the budget problems we had when I first got there that you you know, different legislators go to the same agency and they would get different numbers from the same agency. And so you couldn't get a good grasp for where the money was. So that's why Loft was formed was to go in there and dig deep into those things that legislators aren't qualified to do individually. So they dig deep into these agencies. Well, that's how this was caught. Loft did a, did a tourism and kind of a deep dive and picked up on this and then things started making them dig even deeper. So lofts is a reason we know about this. So, so while I think as a state, we can look at this and say, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but something looks like it's shady, but you can also be, be very proud of what the legislature has formed on behalf of the citizens of the state and the taxpayers that somebody's digging into this now. Cause I think if this would have been five years ago, we never would have caught it. We caught it and we're going to do something about it. So uh, the results uh, still to be determined. Uh, so stay tuned, as they say. Yeah, we, there, there's a lot of things that are going to be un, uncovered through this, and that's what we want. We want that transparency. We want to know where our dollars are. I think all the taxpayers want to know where their dollars are. So that that I'm, I'm excited to see this. I'm not excited that we had it, but I'm excited that it got uncovered. As the center says, so with the light's been shined on. When if there's something wrong, it's going to be uncovered now, and I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm going to let. The right, senator. Let me jump in real yeah, quick on that. One thing people need to be aware of is this this is not a one time deal. This agency is here. It's a permanent part of our state government now. And so I mean it's kinda like be on notice. We are the legislature through loft is going to dig into every single dollar that's being spent in this state. So how and, do they get uh, how do they determine what to go look after i think sometimes it's through suggestions from legislators um, but i think it's there's going to be a routine they go through where everybody's going to get looked at but if there's something that prompts you know special a special investigation or a special deep dive i think that that's kind of how that works as well but, so a citizen could maybe recommend to their block state absolutely. lawmakers to okay you know absolutely. if they see something going on that you know yeah you know, we have access to loft to go to go take that to them and say hey can you di- can you dig into this and so i think that's part of how this got caught so i'm i am kind of maybe from one side of it ashamed as a state that we have this stuff going on but very proud that we're catching it and hopefully if we do the right thing and we uncover something here it's kind of a message that we are we are looking and we're going to we're going to make sure the tax dollars are being spent properly absolutely and you know one other thing i know we'll be running short long on time is usually you get two politicians around it takes time (laughs) and uh, one thing i that we've started, and I really don't want the senator because he, he's really deeper involved maybe than I am, is our special session that we're in also. And I'm, I'm excited about what we're doing forward and the cooperation we're getting with the executive branch to work on this. Yeah, it's just the, the money that's came in from the, the federal government, the ARPA money. Um, it's just going to make sure the, the special session is going to be ongoing through the summer. We'll have groups that are working on how this money gets spent. Because one thing you want to make sure with this money is make sure you spend it according to the federal guidelines that came along with it. Because if you don't and they go back and check later, then we owe that money back back and so with the legislative input into this and these committees that will be working throughout the summer then uh, then we'll make sure that it's being spent properly and that we don't have to go back and get it clawed back later on uh, the budget includes uh, education funding fairly steady, but maybe a little bit more for education, which is makes it the lion's share of the state budget. Yeah, you know, they're calling it pretty flat. Uh, there's 25 million more in common ed. To me, that's not flat. Twenty-five million yeah. is twenty-five million, but uh, but yeah, we, we ran the education budget fairly flat. It's still the largest budget 
ever in education history. Uh, and I, unfortunately, am involved quite heavily in education in the house and probably getting more than I want down the road on that. But, uh, but I, I, you know, our thing is, is sometimes just spending money is not the answer. We've got to figure out some answers. How do we get education better, not just spend more money at it? That's, that's been the talk for 50 years. That's nothing new. Dick Lowe just didn't figure that out all of a sudden. But we've really got serious get thinking about that. And, you know, we have to look education maybe a little different than we've ever looked at it. But, you know, because of the family structure and everything else. But uh, it, it's going to be a piece that it's going forward. Uh, anytime you don't have a big increase, you know, we, we did a huge increase last year, $174 million in common ed. Uh, and then you put $25 million, that's $200 million more per year than we've done. So that's that's a big number. Right. And a, a raise for state troopers, which was yep. needed. Yes. Uh, so I think we came up with a 30 percent raise. Uh, it was it was much needed and long overdue. And so, you know, when we are, are hiring people to be state law enforcement agents, whether it's a state trooper or Bureau of Narcotics or or OSBI, you know, we are competing with a lot of other agencies such as Edmond and Oklahoma City. And, you know, we have to stay competitive with, with those. And we would kind of fallen behind. So, yeah, much needed a much needed um, pay raise that, that we wish we could have incrementally done that over the years. We couldn't. So we did a little catching up this year all right gentlemen thanks for coming today we really appreciate it and uh, we'll be in touch down the line thank, thank you. you state senator lonnie paxton from tuttle and state representative dick Lowe of amber thank you gentlemen thank you thank you